Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I hope that you enjoyed your first Victory Monday of the season. Heck, your first Victory Monday after opening weekend since 2013. I know that I took time yesterday to soak that in, but now with it behind us, it's time to get back to business and begin preparations for our Week 2 matchup against the New York Giants. It'll be the Bears' fourth time facing the Giants in the last five years with the Bears losing two of the previous three matchups and luckily that win came last year but it's 2020 and like every year teams change so we need to find out the latest on the team to help us meet the Giants I brought on host of the Talkin' Giants podcast Bobby Skinner who shared with us his top takeaways from the Monday night loss to the Steelers on both sides of the ball he does a great job of explaining why the Giants struggled to run why Daniel Jones, despite a couple of interceptions, impressed him, and much more, including the strengths and weaknesses of New York's defense. So without any further delay, let's go ahead and get to that conversation. All right, we're sitting here with Bobby Skinner, host of the Talkin' Giants podcast. Bobby, tough loss last night for you. Monday Night Football, week one season opener. I know you did a little post-game show afterwards, but we're back here Tuesday afternoon, and I appreciate your time to hop on to help us meet the New York Giants this week. But how are you hanging in there, man? Doing all right. You know, losses suck. It doesn't matter how it happens. It doesn't matter how many positives there are. Losses suck. I don't believe in moral victories. Um, but the Steelers were a really good team, so I don't think – we I always go into every game expecting that we can find a way to win, but the Steelers were a really a really good team. So there's some positives there, especially in the places where you want to see the positives. But overall, a, a loss sucks. So it's it's you know, the stuff doesn't hit the next day like it does after a win. Nope, you're absolutely right. And unfortunately, both of us, I think we know just how much losses suck. And weirdly enough, we know each other pretty well, not personally, but our teams do. They've been playing each other now for the past few seasons. And Bobby, I'm just going to ask you a few questions on your offense. We'll transition over to your defense and we'll wrap things up here. So just to begin overall for the offense, it wasn't the best night. I'm just curious your thoughts on Jason Garrett and his debut as your offensive coordinator. Uh, We can talk about that offensive line 
in just a second. I know that wasn't really up to snuff, but seeing that Jones threw it 41 times, only 16 carries by your running backs is probably not how you envision that game going, right? Yeah. Um, we ran into a lot of heavy boxes and I didn't like that, but I had the stat. I used it on the podcast earlier, but basically on when I'm not really like a huge analytics guy, I think some people go like, I, I, I think analytics are uh, useful, but also like some people just die on them. Mm-hmm. The giants when on first down, when they pass the ball, they average like eight and a half yards per play. When they ran the ball, it was less than a yard, and they just kept on putting themselves behind. And they had four first down runs that were negative rushing yards, and it's just because we were doing these three tight end sets and just running into the box. Granted, we only had four wide receivers with Golden Tate out, but I mean, it it was just a struggle, and it seemed like Jones was kind of he was the one putting the team on his back a little bit. Obviously, not enough to win, but there wasn't like any plays where it's like, man, the scheme on this. A couple screen plays that were really nice. But I, I'm not. I don't overreact, so I'm not gonna over. I'm not gonna be like, oh, Jason Garrett, he's the worst offensive coordinator. But after one game, I wasn't really uh, thrilled with it. Uh, understood, and I think that's understandably so. And when you're looking at the lack of execution with your running game, I think it starts up front. I know you had some heavy boxes, but that offensive line in general, it seemed like they were losing at least one of them uh, throughout time to time. Those one-on-one matchups, especially your tackle Cameron Fleming. Uh, thoughts on him, and is he a concern for you heading into week two? Yeah, F- Fleming was a concern the entire How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Off season, you know, he was uh, signed to be the swing tackle, which was okay. And then Solder opts out. Who's not like, it's not like, uh, it's not like uh, Solder um, was, you know, inspired a lot of hope. But Fleming's just not that good. And I'm I'm not mad at him because I I never expected him to be really good. I I always knew he was going to be the weakest link on this offense and he proved to be that, but he also didn't get a ton of help with Evan Ingram, you know, being the guy next to him. So, uh Cam Fleming struggled. Uh I don't know how they go about that. There's some ideas of switching guys on the offensive line around a little bit, maybe um starting our third round rookie. I'm not sure, but they have to figure out a way to deal with Fleming struggling. Um, because it's not just a matter of him going against TJ Watt. He's just not he's just not that good, and we kind of knew that when we signed him. Sure, and this week for the Bears, you have a Cleo Mack. Perhaps we get a Robert Quinn healthy here, which I'm sure you've seen a decent amount of during his time in Dallas with the Cowboys going up against uh, the Giants a couple times a year. But I did see a stat, and I know you're not a big stat guy, but your running backs were getting contacted, I think like 1.3 yards behind the line of scrimmage on average. Did you expect the line to struggle to that degree? No, <laughs> um, Thomas, I was very happy with, but to, to do that, I mean, I mean, I don't think you expect any offensive line to, to struggle that bad. I mean, it was, it was just, you couldn't, we could not get the running game going at all until we spread things out a little bit. 
And I know Barkley, after the game, he said that, you know, it's on him. It's his fault. He needs to play better. I think that's just him being a really good teammate and kind because it didn't seem like that was the case at all. Uh, were the Giants utilizing him differently? I know they didn't use him so much just through the offensive line, not really being able to hold their ground there. But did you see Garrett using Barkley differently than perhaps in years past? No, I mean, I know I've hit on this, but really – we just ran three tight ends more than I've I've ever seen in a Giants game. And it was like, you know, you had to trust eight guys to do their job plus have an unblocked player. And Saquon had no chance for like most of the night. When you got on the receiving game, he made plays. You know, he had that long screen play where he jumped over a guy. Um, and they lined him up at wide receiver a little bit, which I liked. But in the run game, he just had no shot. So, you know, Saquon's a, a controversial player on, um, because he was picked second overall, but I think anyone can agree that you don't you don't leave that game saying, "Damn, Saquon, that was a bad game." You just go like he he just had no shot. Yeah, it really seemed like that uh, throughout the entire night. Uh, let's switch over to your passing game, though. Quarterback Daniel Jones uh, he finished with about 280 yards. He did have those two touchdowns, two picks, the one that was a total backbreaker in that long drive that you guys had there in the third quarter, but. Overall, Jones had an up-and-down game, but looking at him compared to a year ago, did you see any improvement in this young quarterback? Absolutely, and I think a big reason was Andrew Thomas at left tackle compared to Nate Solder last year. He looked a little more confident in the pocket. I I was very impressed with Jones, and that drive you mentioned, that drive was so gritty. So many plays where like, he – like. It, it reminded you of early Eli where he just kind of backpedaling, backpedaling until finally he could find someone would get a first down, you know, four for five on third downs in that drive, one for one on fourth downs and was just making plays, you know, third and 14 to Slayton. Seems like Slayton seems to be the number one target. He's kind of established himself as that after this game. So it was just gritty play after gritty play, running the ball, um, putting two hands on the ball compared to last year where he had the fumble issues like crazy. You guys know that in our matchup last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love what I saw. And I think Andrew Thomas being like his blind side helped that and having the bad tackle in front of him, like Cam Fleming. So that's where it's like we kind of dealt with Cam Fleming in the passing game a little bit. Um, but that interception, man, was just a backbreaker. It changes the whole conversation about his game. If he doesn't throw that interception and they pound it in or kick a field goal, you're talking about how good Daniel Jones looked against a great Steelers defense. But instead, the conversation is, like he he had a, a boneheaded play uh, in the red zone, his first NFL uh, red zone interception. So I feel good about him. I I like him a lot. Um, I I re- like that he shows all the stuff I want to see from a quarterback. He doesn't have like a Patrick Mahomes arm or nothing, but like you don't need that to be an awesome QB. Um, so all in all, I feel good about him. Like what we saw, but obviously that interception just it like it kind of muddies the waters on on game one understood and that's understandable too uh when it comes to jones i know the steelers got a decent amount of pressure on him and that's when things kind of didn't work so well is that kind of the key at least for chicago is they can get pressure on jones they can force him into a few mistakes he can give the bears opportunities to perhaps come away with some turnovers and if he ends up having a cleaner pocket some time to throw you expect some perhaps uh good things out of him i mean I, I expect, I mean, obviously with any QB, you want to get pressure on them. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he did a pretty good job on that, getting the ball out kind of quick, where last year, a lot of the times, that actually, that leads into something he improved on. This Pittsburgh defense, 
they quit. They force you to get the ball out quick. Where last year there'd be games where he's just holding on to the ball, looking downfield, trying to make a big play, and the underneath stuff's open. He didn't hit that. So he seems to be making a conscious effort to do that. So I think he's going to try and do some of the same things against Chicago. Maybe take a little more chances because, um, you know, you guys have a really good defense, but I think Pittsburgh's is just on another. I think they're the best defense in the NFL. Um, so, yeah, obviously get like hitting, getting him and forcing him into, you know, making those one or two mistakes. And I think that is the way to beat Jones at the beginning of his career because he does a lot of things nice, but he will have those one or two mistakes that can end up losing you a game. And, I mean, he kind of had that last year um, against you guys, you know. Um, we're at our own 10-yard line. Cleo Mack gets the sack. Not only is it a sack, it's a fumble, too. You guys, offense was struggling, scores right there. So get rid, getting rid of those dumb turnovers, that changed the whole, like, narrative on them. Sure, sure. I know your tight end, uh, you were running a lot of three tight end sets, but Evan Ingram, he didn't have a good season opener. Only two catches, nine yards. He also had that drop. Uh, was he a letdown for you last night? He was the biggest letdown because I expected him, because it was a quick offense, to be the Giants' leading receiver for that game. And like you said, two catches for nine yards, had a couple drops, was horrible in the blocking game. Like he, you know, he's never been known for being a good blocker, but he's been adequate at times. He got kind of, he just got destroyed in the blocking game. And he just didn't make any plays on offense. Um, he's the guy that after week one, I'm the most down on as a player. Because like you mentioned Cam Fleming, I know who Cam Fleming is. We'll talk about the defense. I know who those guys are. Ingram had all the expectations in the world um, and he just let us down. Now, that being said, we've seen Ingram have four games in a row where he has 500 total yards. So he can do that the next four games and totally switch it. But after game one, man, it's uh, pe- people are down on Ingram. And in his fourth year, I, I feel like that's deserved, especially when you have a backup in Caden Smith that a lot of people like. Yeah. And on the other side, we can go to a positive here real quick. And that is Darius Slayton. That dude had himself a game and he is someone that I think a lot of our listeners probably don't know too much about. Can you explain just how dynamic Slayton can be and what he brings to the table as a receiver? Yeah, that was a really big positive to see what he was. Cause you know, a lot of time guys have rookie years and then the expectations like, well, good rookie year. He's going to have four or five more touchdowns and 300 more yards. Um, on a team where we didn't really know who the number one is, I think after week one, we can feel good about Slayton being the number one because against Pittsburgh, like I was saying, this was the game where it wasn't going to be him because he is kind of more the deep threat. But he has that long touchdown. He has the touchdown at the end of the game. And in the middle, like the tough throws, like Daniel Jones, the third and 14 uh, in his own end zone, throws it to Slayton, gets the first down. Um, one play on that drive where Jones backpedals like five, eight yards gets it in the Slayton. So Slayton seems to be his number one target and he seems to have improved and figured out zones a little better. So yeah, um, I, I feel like the fan, the fan base and myself included are thrilled about Slayton on a team begging for someone to stand out as a number one. It seems like Slayton's that guy. My last question on the offense just comes to their third down execution. They weren't too bad over 53%. I think it was actually the third best mark in the entire NFL. There are a lot of teams that kind of tied. So they're somewhere in the top 10 overall, but in terms of the actual percentage, it was in the top three. Uh, Just your thoughts on what led to some of that success. I know without a running game, that had to be tough, but it did seem like Jones was able to hang in the pocket and deliver some really big throws and some key moments for you guys. I, I missed the first part. What do you say that we are top 10 in? Third down offense. Third down. Okay, yeah. Um, I really think, be, like you said, Jones 
was put in bad situations because they were running the ball like on first down and being in second and 14, second and 11. And I think it this the thing I like about Jones is the fact that he is just kind of cold-blooded in a sense where it's like he just doesn't get affected by pressure. So he just kind of held in there. When he knows he needs to make a play, he makes it instead of, you know, checking it down. Um, you know, third and 14 in your end zone, a lot of guys are checking down the ball. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Well, there. He fits it in a window between three guys to Darius Slayton. So that is, you know, that's where you're excited about Jones is that he is willing to make those plays. He's going to make a mistake here and there. But the fact that he's willing to make those mistakes and or make those plays and learn from them, that is why you're excited about Jones. And that was the, the Giants were good in that area last year, too, with Jones. So it's just kind of that that mentality of like, hey, I'm going to get the first down no matter what happens here. Certain. I mean, Bobby, if he's willing to make those mistakes this week, I'm not going to complain. Just a heads up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, none of those are this week or any week after, or maybe they're not after a 19 play drive or at your own five yard line. Maybe yeah, get you, them at like the middle of the field or something like that. Yeah, you guys chewed up about a whole what a half of a quarter. So an eighth over of the whole it was game. like eight minutes. It was yeah. brutal, man. It, um, tough, tough. Let's switch over to your defense, though. I want to know. I love starting in the trenches. What should Bears fans know about your defensive line? Because I thought they had a, a pretty decent debut. I know they let up a lot of yards on the ground from Bunny Snell, but guys like Leonard Williams, he was a bright spot for you, just wreaking havoc in the backfield, being around the football. And I'm just curious your thoughts about your defensive line unit as what they uh, displayed what I would call some flashes of potential. Yeah, um, Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams impressed big time. Those were two, like, one, Dexter Lawrence was a rookie last year, so you want to see him make a jump. And Leonard Williams was kind of like, he's just the guy that, like, gets close but never gets it done. Leonard Williams played awesome, and he set stuff up for the defense. Dexter Lawrence played awesome, you know, chasing down screen plays, had a sack. They both had sacks. Um, Dalvin Thompson, um, I haven't got to, like, go back and watch to see what he did, but, you know, he we liked how what he did last year. So – that defensive line, I feel like that's the position on the Giants that you feel the happiest about. Did you like all those fronts that you guys were throwing out there? I know there was some speculation entering the season. Would you guys be running a 3-4, a 4-4? And it seemed like you're running a little bit of both. And I saw some two-man fronts as well. So you guys were being a little creative on defense, which is always interesting to prepare for, at least from my perspective. Yeah, our, our defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, preached that he was multiple. And I, with when coaches say that kind of stuff, I'm kind of like, I need to see it to believe it. Cause a lot of people say, Oh, we do this, we do that. And then they come out there and they run the like the same stuff over and over again. It truly was multiple, where, like you said, there was times where we were rushing four and the positions that were rushing was a linebacker, a defense alignment, a corner, and a safety. Like, did some different things. Like, kept, kept, um, the Steelers ended up figuring some stuff out, but kept, uh, kept, like, kept like changing things up and not just letting them totally figure out what they were doing. Really. The only thing I didn't like was on the two minute drill. We just kind of went man coverage heavy and big Ben just kind of tore it apart. 
Sure. What are your thoughts about that Raider or radar, I should say, defense on third down where you saw some of your everyone's just kind of standing around, mucking around, trying to just confuse Steelers in terms of who's doing what, who's rushing, who's dropping back and to kind of muddy up their plan. I thought it was interesting. I know it worked early and then it seems like Pittsburgh was able to pick up on some of those cues, but I it's rare when you see something like that, at least in the NFL. Uh, just curious your thoughts on that. I love that kind of stuff because it's just all exp- and he does it on third down. And I'm a big believer that on third down is when you try stuff out because that's when they're trying to like, you're trusting what you've seen before. So I love that on third down, big Ben has eight guys standing in front of him and he has no, like he kind of knows four are coming, but he has no idea which four are coming in. And then whichever the other guys that drop out, he doesn't know what kind of zones they're going to go into. So that is the kind of stuff I love about Patrick Graham. Like I said, he wasn't good with the Dolphins, but those were the kind of things when you went and watched the Dolphins that was like, I love what he did that. And that was probably my favorite part of what Patrick Graham did last night. Now, for me, entering this week with a quarterback that we know when he has to think a little bit more in Mitchell Trubisky, mistakes often happen. He doesn't play up to his potential. And when I see that on third down for the Bears, by the way, uh, dead lasting NFL and third down convergence last week to start off the season, only like two of 11 that worries me a little bit, at least from for my side of things. Yeah, and you know, going up against Big Ben, who's thirty eight years old, he figures exactly. stuff out eventually. Where with Trubisky, that's why Giants fans feel a little more confident. Is like, okay, let's let's make this, let's confuse this guy, and, and Graham's going to throw. There will be plays that we run um, this week that we didn't run against the Steelers, and just trying to com- confuse Trubisky. I mean, in the Last year's game, you know, when he throws that deep ball and it's, a, it's an easy interception. So that is like the excitement of going up against Trubisky is that he can have good games. And it, it seems like he did this last week. But he's also someone that you you feel confident that you can do some different things against. Yeah, you know, he had a good end of the third quarter, fourth quarter, which at the end of the day, that's all that matters. We were able to come away with the win. Uh, switching back to your defense, though, Bobby, what are your thoughts on Blake Martinez in his debut uh, in New York? He led the team in tackles. He was very active near and around the line of scrimmage. He's someone that I have a lot of experience watching just being in the NFC North so long in Green Bay. So I'm just curious to your thoughts about him being on your defense in week one. I'm interested to see what your thoughts, because you guys saw him so often, where it's like I watch, you know, when we sign him, I watch five games of him and then kind of, you know, formulate an opinion. I was really impressed and I kind of have high expectations for him because he was signed to that contract. Um, But he was flying around making plays tackles for a loss. And I think having those guys we talked about before earlier, Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence helped that like where they set stuff up. They drew drew double teams where Martinez was able to play with his instincts a little more where I feel in green Bay, a lot of times like he was having to be the one that cleaned it up. But I would ask you what, like, what are your your guys' thoughts of Blake Martinez as Bears fans and dealing with him the last four years? Isn't that what you should bring me on your podcast to talk about? No, but for real, <laughs> uh, yeah, very close to you uh, in Green Bay. He was a tackling machine, like you said, more like in that cleanup mode uh, where you can expose him in coverage a little bit if you can get a running back on him or a bigger tight end on him. And I didn't see that too much last night. That would be something for you. I would see if teams go back and start doing against him because it really worked when he was in Green Bay for opposing offenses. But he's someone that's always ultra productive. He's always around the football, and he's always coming away with tackles. And I think that's why you guys brought him in. You needed someone in the middle of that field to you know, lay it down, be that aggressive guy, and as well as someone that can be a sound tackler. So, yeah, he's someone that I have – 
you know, decent remarks on. I've seen the Bears expose him, but I've also seen him expose us from time to time. Definitely an upgrade over Alec Ogletree. So Giants fans and myself were very uh, happy with that. Well, there you go. Uh, let's move over to your secondary. What are your thoughts on the corners? I know Holmes, Ballantyne, they each gave up catches on about 80% of their targets. Um, but it was Bradbury who did give up the two touchdowns. I know he had a pretty tough matchup against uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, but just what are your thoughts on your corners, your secondary as a whole, after one game? Ballantyne was the guy going into this. Like, he's our weakest link. Teams are going to attack him. You guys did that last year when he was playing the nickel. You guys lined up Allen Robinson and just attacked him. And that was the thing this year. It's like, hey, we know who our weakness is. Let's help him. And the, I feel like the Patrick Graham did a good job of, I don't want to get too nerdy, but putting the safety over the top and stopping them from just beating him deep. But when they had the run man covers towards the end of the game, Big Ben and whoever was lined up on him were getting great timing on these back shoulder comeback routes where it's like you could put a safety over the top. It doesn't matter. It's, it's right. mano a mano right there. So that was where Ballantyne started getting beat towards the end of the game. But I like how they protected him. That's why I, like, I'm not mad at the defense because I feel like this loss was on the offense. It was like the defense did their job for a while. The offense just floundered opportunities. Three points when you get the ball on a muff punt. Um, the interception on the 19-play uh, drive. Uh, we knew the defense was going to have some struggles, and I'm not going to be mad at them for having those things that we knew they were going to have. But Bradbury I liked. He did give the one touchdown, but it was on a rub route, so it's hard to be too mad. Holmes for a rookie. Um you mentioned the like 80% stuff. I just like that he wasn't targeted that much. You know, that okay. they didn't say, hey, rookie, target him. Um, haven't got to go back and watch it like crazy. So I could be totally wrong. I could go watch him and he was horrible and they just missed him. Uh, but uh, was happy with them because my expectations weren't super high. Besides Bradbury, my expectations were high for Bradbury. Um, and then the safeties, Peppers had some weird stuff that we hadn't seen from him. And Ryan and 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 Love, uh, I haven't seen. I, I I don't have the strongest opinion on what they did quite yet. <laughs> and again, I know you're still like me. We're patiently waiting for small twenty two. It takes a while for it to get out, at least over to people like you and I. Uh, we're only week one, and I know you had some thoughts on your defense entering the first game of the season. But what you saw out of them, what would you say is something that you're looking forward to them building on that can really become a strength? The fact that Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence can push the pocket back. Lorenzo Carter, who we've been waiting for to ha make a jump, was getting to the quarterback consistently. If you can get one other guy, O'Shane Zimenez, Golden, to do some things, and we, if we can get to the QB with four, then we're not going to be like our old you know, Super Bowl Giants defensive lines. But if they can just be halfway consistent getting there with four and not have to blitz – then I feel like this defense can be adequate. But at the end of the game, when they couldn't get there for four and they were blitzing and they couldn't get there, that's when the defense kind of got picked apart. So if Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams can be just flat-out playmakers in the middle and you know they're run-stuffers too, that that is the most exciting part about this defense. All right. Uh, Bobby, are there any names, whether it be offense, defense, heck, I throw in special teams. Maybe there are smaller names that people outside of the New York Giants like sphere may not know about that Bears fans should be paying attention to or doing some homework on heading into this week two matchup. Um, Caden Smith, I know now he did have a touchdown against you guys last year, but it was like one yard and he had like six catches for like 13 yards in that game. 
that was his first game that he played. He kind of came along. Um, and with Ingram's struggles, they may involve him way more as just the main tight end and maybe split Ingram out. So Caden Smith would be that guy. And then on defense, Devontae Downs, uh, he didn't get a ton of playing time, but he's the inside linebacker to Blake Martinez. He wasn't even on our radar at all going into camp. Uh, he's a seventh-round pick. The Vikings ended up cutting him last year. We claimed him. So Devontae Downs um, came out of nowhere and took that inside linebacker spot. So Downs is a, is a guy to check out. Now you guys have to find someone off the street with the last name Distance, and then you can have Downs and Distance as your linebacking core. I'm just waiting for him to get a fourth down run stop, and we can call him Devontae Turnover on Downs, but that we didn't get that quite yet. But I like as soon that. As that happens, it's not going to happen this week. It's not going to happen this week. We'll do it next week, but that's a really good one. No, to hold no, me back no going for it on fourth down. Okay, I got it. <laughs> we did that, I think, our very first drive of the game uh, on Sunday. So it's definitely something that I would not be surprised to see happen here, uh, at least from our side. Um, but Bobby, is there anything else that maybe you and I didn't talk about from the Giants in their game last night that you want to make sure our listeners know about the team heading into the season? Um, basically, expect something new from Patrick, like on third down. Patrick Graham, look for it on the first third down for him to do something weird, and I guarantee you he will do it once or twice in the other game. That's something I noticed from Graham. So he's going to do something weird. Watch for that on third down. But besides that, man, I think we kind of hit on everything. Unless we bench somebody for um, – uh, we do an unexpected benching, I think, I think we hit everything, man. Nice. I mean, weirdness on third down is going to be an awesome note that I just jotted down just to keep an eye out on Sunday afternoon. Uh, that's always, that's an interesting one. I don't think I've ever written that one down specifically before, but I like it a lot. I just have a, one more question for you. It's how I end every Meet the Opponent episode. It's a two-parter, and the first part is, why will the Giants win on Sunday? Well, the Giants will win because Daniel Jones, if he did some good things against the Steelers' defense, he can do it against the Bears' defense, which is really good. And the other one would be Mitchell Trubisky. Um you just, I, I, I know but there's some people that still believe um, he had a good game. I'm, I haven't watched it yet, but I think that's what Giants fans are clinging on to is we're playing against Mitchell Trubisky. And I'm, I'm sure you guys hear that from the opponent kind of often. Unfortunately, yes. And unfortunately <laughs> it became more prevalent last season, 2018. We didn't really get it too much last yeah. season towards the halfway point. Yeah, it started coming out a little bit and starting this year at the same boat. Hey, maybe he can turn that around and we'll have a different answer when it comes to this question in the future, but you never know. I, I root for your guys, you guys, though. I, I love the Chicago Bears. Um, I'm really close with the Windy City Gridiron guys, Robert Smiths. Yeah. Um, um, and and uh, uh, like me and him, we've, we've talked a good amount of times. Lester Wilfong, um, Aaron Lemming. You guys have a great community. Like, you guys have so many po- like Chicago podcasts where it's like you check their page and they have 10,000 plus followers. So you guys have a great fan base. Uh, when you're not playing against us, I definitely root for you guys. I was heartbroken with that Cody Parkey uh, double doink. Not as much. Why do you have to guys, bring that up, man? Why? Like, we almost got out of here. Like we almost know, got out. He's with Cleveland this up. week though. He's with Cleveland this week. So That's I funny. root for the bears, man. Um, and I look forward to playing you guys. Cause it's uh, like you said, it's been a common matchup the last few years. Absolutely. You still have one more part of my question, though, so we can't wrap up just yet. What's it going to take for the Bears to win and for, unfortunately, uh, the G-Men to lose? Um, Trubisky to do quick throw. Like, if you guys, if we play man coverage for Trubisky just to be accurate, which is that, I feel like that's what Trubisky is good at. And just 
have Khalil Mack dominate Cam Fleming all game and, and basically do what the Steelers did. Khalil Mack dominate Cam Fleming, dominate that run game, and Jones will do some good stuff. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. But get that one or two dumb turnovers that he can do. And that, I mean, that's the way you'll win is because I don't expect us to light your guys' defense up. And I feel like, you know, our defense isn't that good, but you also, like, I feel like it's strength versus strength and weakness versus weakness this week. So um, let, Khalil, let Khalil Mack cook against uh, Cam Fleming. All right, the kitchen is officially open. Appreciate it so much, Bobby. Really great insight throughout this entire episode. Appreciate the time here on this Tuesday afternoon, right after that Monday night game. I know you had a late night, so the fact that we're here already talking, I really appreciate your willingness to hop on to help our listeners get to meet the New York Giants. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it, man. Anytime. All right, well, that'll do it, Bears fans. I hope that you found Bobby's insight on the Giants to be valuable and that you have a stronger grasp of our Week 2 opponent. In our next episode, which will be our weekly game preview show, Nick and I will be back to take things to the next level and take a deeper dive into the upcoming game. We'll be doing shout-outs from donations that came in over the last week as well, and if you want to get a shout-out and support our show, please make sure to leave a small donation whatever you feel is right, to at the Chicago Audible on Venmo or at www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. We just purchased Game Pass so we can watch the film needed to provide our analysis as well as Pro Football Focus so we can get some of those advanced stats to bring them over to you. Both of those come, I think, as you know, with a hefty price tag. So anything that you can do to help combat some of those costs, it's greatly appreciated. Again, only if you feel like... It's necessary only if you feel like you want to donate, support the show, and of course you get a shout out in return. But personally, I'm looking forward to the next episode, previewing that next Chicago Bears game and explaining how the team can start the 2020 season 2-0. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Your heart health is the foundation of your body's performance. So if you want to stay at your peak, your heart has to do the same. Cocovia delivers the level of cocoflavanols clinically proven to increase circulation, promoting healthy blood pressure and a strong heart. Boost your cardiovascular health and stay peak with Cocovia at cocovia.com. That's C-O-C-O-A-V-I-A.com. And now during Heart Health Month, save 20% with coupon code CVHEART20. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease.